the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome to this week's uh, momentous 442 Insider podcast. Momentous in the fact that this is the first time we've had the whole team in the same room at the same time, dispelling the rumours that Kevin and Aidan are actually the same person. <laughs> um, so we'll have, it's going to take a while. On my right, editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Online editor Kevin Ayres. On you. And web guru, football journalist extraordinaire, Aidan Norman. Hello. You got a better intro than us, didn't right. you, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> so I never know what to call Aidan. <laughs> just just Aido. Everyone knows me as Aido. Just Aido. Right, lads. As always, plenty to talk about. Let's kick off A-League finals, week one review. Three big games. Destiny of two teams was decided. Firstly, on Friday, Adelaide won Wellington Phoenix nil. Uh, Travis Dodd winner. Trev. Yes. What did you make of this? Shocking weather, wasn't it? Absolutely hideous conditions. To yeah, the pitch held up well, I thought. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, which probably affected the crowd a little bit. Um, yeah, it went the way that you expected it to do, despite Phoenix win there recently. Adelaide have still been pretty strong at home. Wellington have still been pretty bad on the road. And the Dodfather putting them through. Big fan of him on the pod, aren't we? So, yeah. good to see him scoring. Kev, Dodd's sort of return to fitness and form, critical for Adelaide at this stage. Just yeah, when but why are they letting him go to Perth Glory? Yeah. It's just nonsense. He's fantastic for them. Okay, so he wants a, a longer contract than Adelaide are willing to give, but he's earned it, I think. You know, when he's Captain, fit... has been there from the start. Exactly. I mean, he's a, your, your original loyal servant. Uh, if he wants a long contract... He's earned it, and he's, he's scoring the goals to prove that you know he's worth. He's up to it. And how, how old is he? I mean, it's not like he's. He's not ancient. He's just, what thirty-two, I think. Oh, I think he's about thirty or so. So it's not a yeah. big problem. Yeah, I'm not going a slightly old. longer yeah. deal. Like. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, there's no loyalty in football, is there? You know, it's all about. But well, it's for, sort of, for somebody like that, the players often be. get criticised for lack of loyalty. But you'd argue in this state, it's the club that's showing the lack of loyalty. In this case, definitely. You know, this is where loyalty should come through. That you know they should reward him for all the and years. He didn't walk out, did he? No. Are you still putting in the hard yards? You know, yeah. uh, nah, I think it's ridiculous that uh, it's even up for debate. Well, let's talk about that briefly. Obviously, the lead-up to this game was dominated by the the Okie Paul Reid. He's in, he's out, shaking all about. Um, we're here, he's back in the frame now to be picked this week. Is that still right at the moment? I know. That's the, that's the latest, that he's, he had talks with uh, Rennie Coolen on Monday. I think they've sorted things out. It's like out. a teen romance played out in public. It is. It? It's all off. Oh, it's yeah. back on again. Oh. My new best friend. If that's uh. someone else, oh, I'm having him back. <laughs> all right, let's, let's talk about the goal. Because I think it, you know, this sort of summed up yeah. a, a lot. You know, it was a cracking goal. Like, and Flores setting up the attack on his arse. Sort yeah. of you know, his determination to win the ball. And, and then we saw really where I think Adelaide could potentially go on and cause some damage in the finals in the, you know, really quick break, Dodd's pace, Van Dyke's awareness and holding the ball up up front, perfectly timed ball. Trev. Yes. This was the goal that got them through. Can that combination, Dodd, Flores, Van Dyke, get them to the grand final? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly got the players. You'd, you'd fancy them to, to be good enough to navigate past Gold Coast um, this week. Um and then they're only one game away from, you know, almost certainly going to Brisbane for the grand final. So, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of attacking stocks, there's not many teams better, is there? Yeah. And I think that, that sort of style and that ability to hit teams on the break in that manner is, is probably going to, I'd say, give them the best chance of going away to them all, in all likelihood, the Mariners and, and winning that game. Mm. Mm. Le- it- Leckie coming back into the fold as well. Yeah, true. Reid as well, he just adds something more. So yeah, yeah, but I think you know you're overlooking the fact that for all Adelaide's United's attack is very, very good. Mariners' defence is equally as good. Yeah. I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think you know I think that'd be a great match if it turns out to to be the uh, the preliminary final. But I'm not altogether convinced Adelaide are, are grand final material this year. There's a lot of good teams ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, there's three very, very good teams in the finals there. And Adelaide have a slight tendency to sometimes go to sleep, I think. They just don't put you know, 100% in for 90 minutes. Okay. Uh, a quick wrap on Wellington Phoenix. Looking at the season as a whole, Ado, would they look on this season as, as a success or as a failure? 
Well, if you read the local... Somewhere in between the two. Yeah, I I think so. I think uh, if you read the local press in in, uh, New Zealand, uh, they were pretty much slated for a a failed campaign. I was reading Fred Woodcock's uh, assessment of the season. Um, I think to get two finals appearances in four seasons is a tremendous effort. And I think it just underlined as well that how much they missed Eiffel because he was woefully off the pace when he came on. Yeah. And you can just see how That's much... That's understandable. And he had a great chance as well, let's not forget. A re- it is understandable. It just goes to show how much a, a difference he would have made if had he been there. Um, but you'd argue, Kev, you know, the, and the, the well. people that they brought on, you know, their three substitutions, Chris Greenacre, Paul Eiffel and Daniel, is arguably a sign of how far they have progressed. They can travel to a finals match with those guys on the bench. That's the depth that they've got, which is great. Um, but I still think Phoenix were a victim of the fact that you know Adelaide, Mariners and Roar came on so well this season. Uh, and certainly in my case, completely unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we won't mention that. We won't mention our, uh, our predictions at the start of the season. <laughs> But, yeah, I think, you know, it's made them look bad by comparison. If uh, those three teams hadn't done as well as they had, then I think Phoenix certainly would have made the next round of the, the finals, possibly even the grand final. They've got a good team. They had a good team. I just hope they continue to uh, have a club next season. OK. Um, the major semi-final, Saturday night. Uh, Central Coast Mailers went down 2-0 to Brisbane Raw. Goals in the second half from Costa Barbarousis and skipper Matty Mackay. Um, Ado. Your perspective on this? I just every time I see Raw, they just seem to. For me, they do something else. They they rode their luck, and then they score two fantastic goals on the break. They, they just, I, I think they're just probably the best team I've seen in the A League so far. But having said that, I was I went up to Gosford for that game, and my recollection of the game was it was all the Mariners, mm. but Roar one two nil. Yeah, that just shows yeah. you know they can pluck goals from nowhere. Uh, take a game by the scruff of the neck, turn it around, take the goals, walk off, winners. But it also shows they've got a bit more to their bow than perhaps we've been giving them credit for because we've sort of said they've been playing fantastic, dominant football, dominating possession. They then showed that they could go to a, a game where they, it didn't all go their way. Mm. They weren't given possession in the mm. manner they were, but they still come away with two goals on the mm. break. So it showed that they can adapt. Because I, I think, you know, against the better sides in the league, you're not going to be able to dominate for 90 minutes. And it's how you then when the momentum's with the other side that you don't concede, you bide your time, you're patient, and then you pick them off when you get the chance. And I thought they did that superbly. And they played the conditions as well. It was very, very hot. I think, mm, Kev, you were there. Which, yeah. And they play, I mean, they didn't play the all-action game in the first half. They basically sat back a little, little bit more. And then the second half, Trev, outstanding. One thing that was probably the only disappointment and what was a fantastic game was the crowd. Yeah. You know, there's a major semi-final. <laughs> Two years ago, they got 19,000 there, albeit against the Jets. Accepted, but so still a big drop, though, isn't it? Half yeah. of you know, half guard. I, I haven't really got a reason for it. Does anyone know why they oh, wouldn't? Kev, you there? I mean, was, was to the... be fair, it didn't feel like it was a small crowd there. Uh, it felt like a good crowd. I thought it was ten to twelve thousand somewhere around there when it came up as ten. I wasn't that surprised, but by the same token, yeah, it was a good. It was actually quite a good atmosphere. I wish they'd learned some more songs. Though. Mariners. <laughs> Mariners, <laughs> that does your head in after 10 minutes, I tell you. Um, but, you know, when it's Newcastle Jets, you're going to get yeah, a true. really, really good travelling support. The, uh, the Brisbane Royal fans travelling down for it. Yeah, This was a good chance for the local fans to say, OK, we deserve a home grand final. If we get it, we deserve it to have it here. Mm. So this was their chance. And it was a very, I mean, it was a typical Mariners crowd. It was very family. Yeah. There was a lot of families. It was 60, 40 women, men to women, uh, a lot of kids there. So, you know, it's growing again, I think, with them. Uh, okay. One, one thing I do look at is that there was a lot of talk as about the Mariners hit the post three times. It's a little bugbear of mine. If someone takes a shot from on the goal line and hits the outside of the post, <laughs> that, to me, is not hitting the post. It's like, it's never going to go in. It's impossible. <laughs> it's not... I think we need to classify what, when you hit the woodwork. Is it from a shot that has a chance of going in, or is it just like kicking it against the post yeah. from level with the post? Well, there's stats for you, you know. Yeah, and Arsenal proved last weekend. It doesn't. Hey, last week it doesn't matter what the angle is. If it goes in, you can still get it in the back of the net somehow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, game on Sunday saw Melbourne Victory's uh, campaign come to an end in dramatic circumstances. Uh, Gold Coast winning with a Dino Jilbich. Thundering header in injury time. 
Trev? Yes. Sum this one up for us. Well, I think you, I was in Melbourne last week for the awards, and the general impression we got from, from a lot of the players in the media is that they really fancied their chances of going to the Gold Coast and winning. Um, and I think, you know, obviously they're disappointed because they're out of the finals, but um, Gold Coast did well to keep them at bay for 90 minutes, and, you know, you're always in the game, aren't you, if, if you manage to, to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, huge disappointment. The Gold Coast, I'm still not entirely convinced about in terms of going on and winning it. I, I'd still say that. Um, Adelaide, Brisbane and the Mariners are, are better sides than the Gold Coast so um, I think they'll lose when they, they travel to Adelaide at the weekend okay, it, was, it was obviously with a crap surface up there um, it had the feeling in the sort of like of two punch drunk blokes going at it but, you know, it was end to end no one really had the quality to finish it off or the composure to finish it off all the sides had a good chance, and then in the final minute, someone connects with a right hook, and down they get, down they went. Yeah, I mean, it was exciting. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, um, but three thousand two hundred eighty-one there to see it <laughs> for a finals match. That's unbelievable. I mean, uh, against the victory, who are a big side in their own right, aren't they? Well, I mean, yeah. how many? What five or six hundred were victory fans as well? So we're talking about under three thousand home yeah. fans. That's one of the most shocking attendances we've ever had in the league, isn't it? I mean, overall, it wasn't great with a 7,000 average for three finals matches. But um, okay, uh, Gold Coast, Ado, yeah, can they threaten, or are we seeing them as the sort of outsiders now? I think it's gone to type in the in the in the finals so far. Five and six have gone out. Four is now going to play, you know, the third best side, um, and I think that they'll end up with Adelaide there. So I think it'll go to type. So I think. We'll see a Mariners Raw Grand Final. Uh, well, I mean, the one player that came on and showed me that you know that where they could potentially go and trouble Adelaide was Joel Porter coming on. Certainly, his industry and movement made the big difference in the second half. Mm. Um, whether he'll be fit enough or or selected to start, mm. or whether he'll he'll use him as a, as an impact player coming off the bench. Mm. But Tred, do you think um, Kalina's obviously missing Kalina from the midfield has been was a huge loss. Yeah, I mean, for them. It'd be interesting to see Smelts, um, GTA and Porter all play from the outset. Um, Go for it. Me on yeah. two at the back. Mm. Yeah, or some sort of crazy formation. <laughs> Let's change football again. Yeah. <laughs> One at the back. <laughs> two although, wingers. Although that was actually what Arne, well, uh, Ernie Merrick seemed to be doing in the second half because it was, it was uh, consistently removing defenders or midfielders to bring on strikers. Yeah. At one point, I thought he was going to get Petkovic to play rush goalie so he could get one more up front. But. But I reckon it was the best game of the weekend, even though it was 1-0. Oh, yeah. I think Absolutely. it was brilliant viewing. <laughs> okay. That's it for uh, week one of the finals. We will be back in part two. We'll preview week two of the finals in the final uh, segment of this. But uh, for now, we'll leave the A-League and we'll come back in part two to look at the main news headlines that have been making the news on our website, au.442.com. The new issue of 442 is on sale and it's our annual Top 100 Players in the World Special Edition. Who will be number one? We head to Japan to meet Socceroo rising star Matt Spiranovic and go one-on-one with Liverpool legend Ian Rush. There's also the never-before-told story of Man United's riotous 1999 tour down under without Sir Alex Ferguson to watch over them. We'll also visit seven European local derbies in one huge Sunday. If that wasn't enough, there's a UEFA Champions League sticker album and stickers free with every issue. On sale now at newsagents or on the iPad via the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to move on now to some of the stories that have been making headlines on our website au.442.com and we're uh, lucky to have the people that break those stories in the room with us. So, guys, uh, Another one of the worst kept secrets in the A-League was confirmed yesterday when uh, father and son show at the Jets with uh, Jason joining Dad Branco. Ado. Yeah, it's a reunion, the old Sydney United reunion from about 12, 13 years ago. Uh, my only concern with this is I think the last time we had a father and son was in Perth where Steve McMahon <laughs> Jr. I just hope it doesn't turn out that way. Because uh, that was arguably, Kev, I think, the, one of the lowlights of season one. Absolutely. But um, Steve McMahon was still not the most unsuccessful Perth Glory manager. Yeah, well, we've done talk about Perth Glory. <laughs> Ferguson. Really? Yep. Yeah, look, um, he's still in the, you know, he's still a, a great player, I think. Um, he'll, he'll give something to the team. I'm just always concerned about, you know, if he's not playing well and there's calls for him to be dropped and then dad and the whole Well, that, thing. I think that's the key thing because he's a very different player now from the last time they 
they were together at Sydney United. Back then, he was just a youngster coming through. So he could get slapped down by Branko quite Mm. easily. Now he's a socceroo. He's the star of the show. He's the marquee. It's going to be very difficult for Branko to uh, slap him down if he needs it Mm. or give him a kick up the arse in front of everybody if he needs it. Maybe the other point is his mama's assistant... (laughs) as the sort of mediator. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you two. We'll put you, in the, you go to that corner. You go to that corner or no one's getting their dinner. It's the first time this season that we heard that there was going to be a major announcement that was actually a major announcement and not just a team. But it was a major announcement that, that we knew. Yeah, that that we knew. At least That's a week old, yeah. I'm looking forward to a major announcement. That we haven't heard. Oh, my shocking. God. Yeah. <laughs> Get called to a major announcement and Ryan Giggs walks through the door. Bloody hell. There we go. Okay, um, sticking with the Jets, obviously the, there's a, a non-football related story that is rumbling on that, that has a big impact on Newcastle Jets, which is Nathan Tinkler's on again, off again, purchase of the Newcastle Knights, back on again now. Yeah. Joey Johns has come out and sort of sided with Tinkler, which you would imagine <laughs> would be very significant up there, certainly with the, uh, with the fans and the, and the members. So um, there's obviously the... We talked about a decision to, to mirror the, the Knights' colours for the Jets next year. Um, we had the story that will they go back to gold if uh, the Knights' takeover doesn't happen? Kev, this is obviously a massive story when it broke. Has the interest been there again on going back to gold or have people mm. got their head around the new kit now? Um, I think people see the going back to gold thing as just the speculation it is at the moment, to be honest. Uh, it's not as big a story as the, the original move to abandon the gold which was possibly our biggest story of all time. Mm. Yeah, the com- how many comments do we have on it? it was... Oh, it went pages, pages mm. and pages, but in terms of actual hits, probably our biggest story of all time. <laughs> Astonishing. Lubo-esque. Lubo-esque, Lubo-esque. yeah. Wow. There you go. That's impressive. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think we're still divided opinion-wise on this table as to <laughs> about the colours and strips. I still don't think it should be done without consultation with the fans. You can't just drop a, an identity uh, apart from anything else if Tinkler does drop his interest in the Knights now and we're stuck with the Knights colours for an A-League team it's even more ridiculous but hopefully that won't come to pass Okay. Uh, other news this week was the confirmation of Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC's Asian Champions League squads some surprises in both um, Yuho Michaela missed out for Sydney FC which uh, Trev seems a strange one to me when you uh, they've lost Alex Bross to Japan. They've been short on firepower up front all season. Yep. He was signed at the time, I believe, with a view to the Asian Champions League and they haven't picked him in the squad. Well, yeah, I've, I've got a comment from, from when he first signed to Sydney saying, he didn't say, you know, I'm going to play in the Champions League, but he says, you know, I'm really looking forward to playing in the Asian Champions League and you'd have to say he was well within his rights to assume that he was going to form part of that squad. Um, yeah, we, you know, with Bros got it's, it's interesting that um, Levitska seems more intent on having more cover at the back than up front, which might say a lot about how he's going to approach the Asian Champions League. Yeah. I think it was uh, it was actually because it was old Jimmy Coyne's fault. Oh. Uh, oh, Jimmy Coyne. Coyne I hope a- you're happy with yourself. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> Once again, it's old Jimmy Coyne's fault. No, apparently he was supposed to uh, take Keller's place in defence. Right, because which would the, the other sort of. Part of this is that he's the, the visa, visa the restrictions yeah. on overseas players. So, yeah, which yeah. would have freed up the visa place for Joe yeah. to come in. Uh, but bizarrely, there was a disagreement over his uh, press release leaving Perth That's Glory. Mad. Perth Glory then stopped his release. So also, <laughs> there's also a backdrop to this, Ado and Kev. I'll ask you, you guys are, you know, obviously go up to and see the training sessions a lot. That, that there was discussion that, that this may have been a contributing factor in Edwin Lutz's resignation that we'll talk about as well, in the fact that Michaela was apparently a, a Scott Barlow signature or driven by him without Edwin's sort of inclusion or as much inclusion as he would have liked or even yeah well I mean I I saw that story you know the the, the, line on the The power struggle story yeah Yeah, Yeah. but I mean CEOs shouldn't necessarily be picking and choosing players anyway it should be should be Levishka's decision and he did trial for Sydney before he was signed so you know Levishka at least got a chance to cast an eye over it I mean is, is this a sign? I mean, visa aside, 
is this a sign that Levitsky has had a look at him and sort of doesn't rate him? Because you'd sort of no, think that I, I think if he really rated him, he would reorganise his squad to accommodate him. But I still think that if he, he trialled him, he had a good look at him, then he signed him, so you, you've got um, to assume. His scoring, scoring, scoring record's I been know. fine. You know, Whenever I've I seen him, I, I've actually thought he's looked dangerous. If he, with the right service that you think that, you know, with Carl and, you know, fit and firing again now, that he would get that, I... I I would have thought that they would have. I think I think Levisha has just had to be pragmatic over his defence, and you know, mm. he needs Keller as his rock in defence. Uh, but also, and I hardly I'm terrified by the thought that Jamie Coyne was going to be the answer. The Matt German leaving to, to Brisbane now just seems even more that is ridiculous. A, that's a you huge blow. That should a, never a have been allowed. Good Aussie centre back that you've let leave the club. Yeah, mm-hmm. that should never have been allowed. But you know, last night I saw the game against Sydney United. I was the only journo there. Uh, they won one nil, and uh, you know, like every opportunity comes up, and you know, Michaela isn't in the squad. Joel Kianese stepped up. He was a second half substitute. Came on, did really well, scored a great goal. And you know, he's now put himself in the frame. Brendan Gann got injured um, in the second half, got stretched off. So he's a kind of like an attacking option. So. You know, where while they've lost Michaela, I think Kianese has showed that he could perhaps step as being like the fourth striker now yeah. in the squad. Yeah, I mean, let's sort of, I mean, this isn't strictly about Sydney FC, although Sydney FC are the sort of latest culprits of it. We saw it in Melbourne Victory last year. This whole loaning players for the Asian Champions League. Now, I understand the fact that the squad for the Asian Champions League is seven players bigger than the squad for the A-League, so they've, they've got to get extra players from somewhere else. But surely this almost creating an A-League all-star squad to take on the Asian Champions League makes a bit of a mockery of it. Do you agree? As, oh, completely. I'm just I'm so against it. You know, the bending the rules, the rewriting the rules. I mean, I've had it spelt out to me by one of the other clubs that this is not a loan. Yeah. Under no circumstances, do call it a loan. Can you please you know, take out any mentions of loan? It's a short-term contract. Well, no, it's a loan, and it's outside of a transfer window. It's illegitimate in my book. I mean, just by the, the rules of the game, it shouldn't be allowed. But the very concept of what they're trying to do is of pulling in a bit from this club, a bit from that club, we're an A-League All-Stars. It's just nonsense. Stand or fall on your team. Uh, I mean, we, we have got the, uh, the powers against us simply by always coming into the competition a year after yeah. we qualified. But and that, this and that's the nonsense. big thing for me as well, that he's always going to... And I, I genuinely think is a massive factor on the reason why the Asian Champions League isn't sparking the fan interest as much because it's mm. the team that has won the yeah. championship to then go in yeah. is unrecognisable most times from yeah. Yeah. the yeah. team that won a tournament. You yeah. know, and, and they're just to me, I, I, just, I would still be lobbying the AFC for it to be. Yeah, you know, right now, you know, the winners go straight in. You know, have you tried to lobby AFC on anything? No, it's no, just, but yeah. I, I just think I just think it would make such a difference to to yeah. the to the public acceptance of the tournament if the A League season finished and a couple of weeks later, bang, we're into the Asian Champions League. The indications but also are the momentum that the teams would take into it, having just won the league and then yeah. or just won the grand final. Yeah, you know, would, would and I think mean that we would perform better in the tournament. Absolutely. The other but issue, of course, is that you're playing with, let's say, Durante and Williams in Sydney. Okay, you get through the group stage. Suddenly you're playing the quarterfinals. What happens then? Suddenly you've got to reshape your team for the Asian Champions League because yeah. two key players are now out, even three in other clubs. Yeah. Mm. Also, with the FFA Cup starting, there is the indications are that the winner of that will be able to qualify straight into that year's ACL, uh, which should at least make a bit of a difference, even if it is South Melbourne that's going to represent us in the ACL. Well, that, yeah. that was the problem they were saying when we were at the FFA that time about how um, the Asian Confederation classifies a club. Mm. You have to be a club to play in the tournament. You need a certain amount of attendances and this and that. And they, they were concerned, weren't they, that the state league sides won't count. So mm. even if a state league side did win it, there's a possibility they wouldn't be able to go into well, the also, I think that probably applies to Gold Coast United. You know, which place would they take? Because currently, the way that they get around them is... It, the final situation is that, as far as the AFC are concerned, our finals is our cup competition. Yeah, that's the place for our, our cup winners are the winners of the final, and our league winners are the winners of the home and away season. There is the review going on of the AFC of number of places, numbers, and possibly we should be entitled to three 
three places if we uh, can tick enough boxes this time. Yeah. We've gone up. Could suddenly just loan the entire Brisbane Raw squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, let's, let's talk uh, about Melbourne Victory squad, because uh, there's a couple of surprises in there as well. Uh, the main one being Martin Degansic, who's left out, and this would um, presumably signal that he's on his way out, and, and the rumours are that he's refused to sign a new contract. Um, and the heart are keen, aren't they? And the heart are keen to pick him up. Um, as far as I'm concerned, this would be a massive loss to Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with an <coughs> ageing forward line with Archie, Danny Olsop, you know, he, whenever I've seen him play, I always think he's a, he's a quality player, that link man between midfield and attack. Um, so I can sort of understand where he's coming from because he probably looks at this season and thinks he hasn't had the opportunities that he might deserve. What I didn't understand, though, was the, the line coming out that he didn't want to play in the Asian Champions League. Uh, I mean, okay, you can sign for Hart, but Hart season's over. You know, it's going to be a long time. That's waiting. got to be their spin on it, surely. You would think so, but yeah. but then I guess maybe he may be talking about what Ada's talking about that he doesn't want to commit to on the basis that if they got out of the group stages, he's then playing for a different side. Yeah, yeah well, he's, yeah, he's, 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 that's that happens. What's been the reason why they dropped? Has, has it been actually because I haven't spoken to Ernie, so I don't. Know. I've not seen anything from Melbourne apart from the fact that he wasn't in the squad. The indication, the the line from Melbourne was that he didn't want to play in the Asian Champions League and was refusing to sign a new contract, so he got dropped. Uh, And the line from Melbourne Heart, Scott Munn, is that they have expressed an interest in him and want him. He's going to end up at Heart. Uh, but that still shouldn't him. stop him from playing the Asian Champions League as far yeah. as I can see. Well, I think he would definitely be a great signing for Hart and, and they're obviously looking to bolster their forward ranks with Adelaide yeah. C&C yeah, It's an aging right. forward line, wasn't it, last year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other uh, dropout was uh, Ricardinho, again because of the visa situation. Um, he's a player that has flattered to deceive a bit. Mm. You know, he's shown yeah. it in flashes, but just not consistently. Yeah, enough. I mean, I think uh, everyone's putting the money in the fact that he might turn out to be another Carlos average first season and then suddenly shine the second season. I think there's a good chance of that. You know, there is something there. He has got ability, but uh, just not had the chance to shine properly this season. Okay, um, let's go a bit further afield with the North Queensland Fury. The, the still undecided future of North Queensland Fury. Uh, they seem to have raised the 1.5 million that was supposedly the target. Um, there was talk that those goalposts have been moved a little later. This was your story. Mm. Um, can you give us a bit more background on this? Yeah, I spoke to Rabbi Cram on Sunday night. Uh, we ran this story. They were upset that there was a, a yarn in the Australian about uh, the club requiring another 2 million or so. They didn't know where that came from. They certainly hadn't been. They told me that they hadn't been told about this by the FFA. And I've, I think Kevin and I have seen emails uh, that uh, suggest it is 1.5. It doesn't suggest. It absolutely spells yeah. out. It was interesting. Clearly. That email was forwarded on, though, wasn't it? From yeah. Fury obviously. Today, uh, obviously, we're speaking today. They're, they're actually in Sydney today, and that's actually a story we'll be chasing. Uh, no, that's been delayed. Oh, it has, has it? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> ben Buckley's mother uh, died, and oh, yeah. uh, the meeting's been postponed. For fair the enough, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, that's obviously something that we're waiting on. David Williams spoke about the issue on his first day at training, and he, obviously I think everyone just wants to uh, get the situation sorted out as quick as possible. They claim also they've raised 700000 in in um, commitments to their community model. So, you know, they're think, doing what they know, can. The underlying fact remains that if... if if we have to lose a, a team, it seems ridiculous that we're going to lose Fury, which has obviously great community backing, and keep Gold Coast United, which doesn't. Uh, I mean, you know, Gold Coast United has been more successful, but I think Fury offer more uh, long term. Long term, they're certainly building a club there. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they really are. are. And look, I've been there. I've, I've been amongst the fans. I've been there on matches. I've been in Townsville, and there's a lot of passion for football. You, you I've, Guys driving nine, ten hours for games. Yeah, and you no. sort of think that if they, if, you know, if they move to that community model, if they've got seven hundred thousand, well, that's what they from say. that. Yeah, then that are, that is everyday fans stumping up from between three thousand dollars and thirty thousand. So, yeah. and there's probably five or six thousand of them up there. You know, that's yeah. twice as big as you know base to start from yeah. than Gold Coast. Mm. Gold Coast, and they're putting their own money in their pocket to safeguard the club. Yeah. That to me yeah. is the is the fundamental sort of rock on which you can build a football club. And they're developing a <coughs> terrific relationship with Football Queensland as well. 
um, just in terms of just getting that structure in place right. I think there's a lot that can be done up there. Um, so I just really think that sanity has to prevail. From a financial point of view as well, I mean, from Clive Palmer's point of view, his workforce, his minds are actually up in that area. Well, he's the shirt sponsor, isn't he? Yeah, he's I mean, yeah. if he could transplant his investment to there, and it would probably pay off better than it is in Gold Coast United. Gold Coast United, nobody, it's his plaything, and nobody's really paying any attention to it. Up in Fury, it's his workforce. It, you know, it would be much more of a community uh, business. I, I, but by I, that, I, I mean, uh, going down the community model, isn't that the sort of polar opposite to what Clive Park, how Clive Farmer's running Gold Coast? Oh, absolutely. Is, it's my yeah. club, I'll yeah. bank on it, I'll do what I like. Whereas they're sort of going, that isn't the way to do it, and I agree with that. This absolutely. This is so not the yeah. way. Mm. Couldn't, I mean, I'd say Clive Palmer is the best thing he could do would be to continue doing the shirt front sponsorship. Up his sponsorship. Yeah. yeah. But how much of an impression do you get that the FFA want them to come up with the money? Because I've always felt this undertone that the FFA aren't that bothered if they come up with it. Well, I just thought that I, I still come back to that, that uh, footage of Lyle Gorman where he said that the FFA have applied nine, nine million pan, uh, pounds, dollars into Fury in the last two seasons on top of the five million that Don Matson put in, and we, we mentioned this last week, mm. that would put Fury at having cost seven million a season for two years. And I, I fail to see how North Queensland Fury, without Robbie Fowler this year, could have overspent more than someone like Sydney FC or, no, or Melbourne Victory not. or run their club at. No. And, and I, I agree, Trev, I, I sort of think they're. You know, I don't get the feeling that the FFA want oh, them to the, succeed. The FFA just wants to watch their hands off. That just seems Definitely. odd to me. I feel like the FFA are going to keep moving the goalposts. Yeah, you know, and that was the yeah. question I got from the email. It's kind of no matter what they come up with, they'll go, "Well, perhaps you need this much now." And yeah, no, I think, I think, might you be know, the FFA want to walk away from North Queensland, uh, and it's shameful. It really is. I think North Queensland are one of the clubs that should survive. Gold Coast United are simply cannibalising Brisbane Roar's support base, bringing nothing new, barely getting any crowds, terrible surface to play on. There's nothing that Shane Smelt's leaving, Jason Kalina's leaving. Pick, cherry pick the best of their players, move them up to Fury. I mean, is there anything that Clive Palmer can do, do we think, that would breathe life into the Gold Coast? I mean, is it going to take a ridiculous marquee signing? I, don't, I, I just think Gold Coast is a, a flawed product. I've said, said this to you right back at the beginning, before uh, it was even launched, that I just didn't think it was the right area to be moving into. I think we've got the FFA high hegens are just too focused on must beat the AFL, must beat the AFL into areas. We must get in there first before the AFL gets in. Forget that. Just do our own thing. Let's grow more organically where the demand is. But you could argue that, that one of the contributing factors was the fact that all the FFA were bothered about, and it seems to be the same in Fury, is the money. Have you got the money? Will you bankroll this, Clive Palmer? Yes? Okay, here's your licence. Yeah, yeah. No, no interest in the plan. No. No interest mm. in the community engagement. No interest in, well, what are you going to be doing to build your franchise? And, yeah. all, and all we're in the situation of is Clive said, I'm going to bankroll it another year. Not, and there's still, you know, I still don't see the plan. I still don't see the community engagement. What's even more worrying is the fact that the uh, FFA appear to have been quite happy for Clive Palmer to bring the shutters down in Gold Coast United and just move into Roar, take over Roar, because that's uh, running short on money, and allegedly bring Miron in. Uh, to take over at Roar when Ange has done such a great job. I mean, this uh, that should never have even been on the table. Mm. Uh, mm. I mean, I know we talk about this quite often with the uh, MLS, but the the documents that you have to supply to get a license are huge. The way that you have to prove that there is a market there and how you're going to engage with it is massive, massive amounts of work. And I don't think it's the same. And I think yeah, you know, we saw this with Western Sydney. Yeah, you know, there was no plan. There was no. There wasn't there was, even money there. Yeah. Yeah, but it was all about, can you secure this funding? Yeah. you secure this funding, you're in. You know, not how well, are you going to build a club in Western Sydney? Who, they didn't even have the money that Clive had. It was on faith, that one. So yeah. that was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's flawed in so many ways. And meanwhile, Canberra is still sitting there with a big community crying out for the club, still plugging away after mm. all this time. And they are just so off the radar as far as the FFA is concerned. It's ridiculous. It really is. Right, well, this is, I'm sure this isn't the last year of it, yeah. but as of now, we still don't know whether we'll have 10, 11, 9 Eight. teams next year, 8, Eight. teams. Uh, who knows? So uh, obviously keep listening because we'll be bringing you weekly updates and daily updates on the website, thanks to the guys that are in the room today. All right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three. Um, we've probably the, the discussion point of the last week, which was uh, 
the mainstream, ongoing mainstream poor treatment of football by the uh, mainstream media. So we'll have our uh, say on that after this break. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300-4-Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Well, we're going to turn our attention now to uh, some of the media treatment that football has received over uh, the last week. I mean, within a matter of hours of our last podcast going to air, where we were excitedly looking towards the finals, Friday morning comes around, morning of the first final, and you could almost set your watch by it. Herald Sun in Melbourne, soccer fans the worst, screened their front page. Now, the cynic in me... And the realist in me, after nine years here, suggests that that was completely and utterly timed uh, to ensure that any oxygen that other mainstream media gave to football was was basically spent denying these allegations rather than talking about our final series that was about to start. Throwing the fact that it was also the, the morning of the first game in the NAB Cup. Am I going mad? Should I be... No. Committed? It's probably been sitting there a while, that story. Have I been watching too many conspiracy theories? <laughs> Kev? No, absolutely. I mean, it's obviously God for an that. orchestrated yeah. attempt to try and uh, have a crack at uh, the football finals. But, you know, luckily there was no football finals on in Melbourne that weekend for us. So the impact would have been minimal at best. But uh, even still, you know, I'm looking at, you know, I'm in the gym that morning watching the little news ticker, Channel 7, Channel 9, you know, Herald Sun reports, soccer fans the worst, you know, yeah. and... And therefore, all the talk on that day, even amongst the football fraternity, was about when are the FFA, FFA going to come out and, and do something about this. Whereas what we should have been doing was getting excited about the game that was going to happen and the three games that were going to happen that weekend. I mean, the story there, it was all linked to the, 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 the journalists that, that got knocked out at the, at the derby. That derby was a month ago. Mm. Shouldn't that have been the story on the Monday after that weekend rather than a month later? I think our story, Kev's story on that day that refuted a lot of those allegations and a lot of stats that were put in our story about other codes as well. Look, I mean, I lived in Melbourne. I know the score. It's an AFL agenda that they're running. Um, And there's not much you can do about it but just say what we said, which is, well, hold on, this is what you're saying. The reality is that other codes, Collingwood fans, they've been trouble with Collingwood fans, they've been trouble with cricket fans... Even Melbourne Cup racing. You know, cricket, uh, sorry, also, tennis. Also, I, I sort of think that sometimes it's the media that create a lot of these divisions when the fans, the divisions aren't there as much. Now, there's a lot of Melbourne Victory fans that are AFL fans yeah. as well. And I'm sure yeah. the same. I mean, this you know, is the, na- the important thing to remember. I don't have enough time because of the football to focus on NRL or AFL in any great depth. I've been to a few games. I've seen it on television. It's a great game. I've got nothing against it as a game. It's a, you know really enjoyable. I can see why people get excited about it. But there's no need to turn it, you know, the divisions between us and try yeah. and... The AFL doesn't have to die for football to be successful. No, or not at all. You know, yeah. It can mutually exist. We run at different times of the but season. But I sort of think that the issues here is with media ownership and the media ownership of games and you know, the NRL with the News Limited, although that's obviously changing, they're going to back out of that, which I think will be good. Um, but you know, but then you'd argue, well, News Limited are one of the main investors in football because of their ownership of, mm. part ownership of Fox Sports. You know, so it just... It yeah. just seems odd where, where they, why they come down on the lines that they do, you know, when a lot of fans don't really see it like that. But well, you, no. you say that, but you read the comments underneath sure. that Herald story. Absolutely. I read every single one of them, and yeah, they, were, they were some appalling. Them. You know, some of them were, were mainly racist, some of them were just ignorant. Um, and I don't know how anyone could read those comments at the bottom of the story and not, as a football fan, be annoyed, because I thought they were disgraceful. And you could say it's the media that, that's created that and that's, you know, they've harnessed that, um, that attitude. But I'd like to think that the people who are reading those stories are more intelligent than that. You know, and there, there is a genuine hate for football. And I, I think some of the reaction from some football people was disappointing. I think people were quite meek about it. I think they, they were just like, well, you know, there's no point trying to take them on. They're always going to win. You know, and I don't think that's the right attitude to have at all. 
you know, I'm, people talk about the Code War and all the rest of it. I'm not saying that, but I think that when people attack our game, we should respond. We right, should. Let's, we let's shouldn't let's just talk go. About in. The FFA response. Mm. Uh, uh, in the afternoon, <laughs> Ben Buckley came out with, with some quotes that were released. I mean, was that was that enough? Were we happy with the? I read that quote. Level of the response. The, the the way it was worded, it was three guys had sat down in a room and said, "Why why do we like fans? Well, what is good about fans? Oh yeah, they chant. Yeah, they they and it was just a list of things that you know the stereotype. I mean, it had, didn't have the passion of football to release the statement. You know, it defended the fans, but really without actually understanding any of the, the issues that were at the heart of it. Uh, it's the FFA just getting more and more out of touch. Day well, by day. What you wanted was a release going, right, I'm going to do a doorstep thing at yeah. one at yeah. FFA headquarters, come down and I'm going to say my piece. And yeah. whoever spoke to Perth for our game is, comes out and says it, you know, because that, that's I what mean, it's I'm trying to play devil's advocate. Isn't there an argument that by delivering, and I know you made this point, Kev, that it was a Melbourne story, yeah. and mm. by Ben Buckley doing mm, a yeah. doorstop in Sydney would make it national news. Yeah. Um, I mean, are the FFA in a, in a degree damned if they do and damned if they don't? To a certain degree, but when they do make a statement, you want them to... You've got to go. If you do make a statement, you've got to do it forcibly. Yes. I mean, I had Simon Hill. I had the the guy from Football Supporters Australia coming on to me, looking for things that you know to suggest to say when they go on air because they were about to be interviewed and stuff. And that's not the way it should be. We should have the effort. You could argue, Ked, that that maybe they don't need to make a statement. Maybe what should have happened was they should have supplied all of these stats and the rest figures and that to us. Yeah. Well, to all of the media outlets yeah. and said, there's the truth. I think yeah, our story led that. the way. Our st- with did. those stats led Absolutely. the way. They should have had that all ready to go. Yeah, well, and the second something comes out, you hit back with, oh, hold on, this is wrong. Yeah. So, Simon ran me to, to speak to you to get the stats that you'd yeah. used. You know, should yeah. that be what the FFA are doing? Yeah. Is actually Absolutely. have those figures to hand to go, here you go, any media, anyone, any media people that are doing interviews, here's your ammunition. Here's a briefing note for you. Here's a briefing. Yeah. But in Melbourne, I mean, we've all been to Melbourne. I mean, it's the, the Herald Sun. We know what the Herald Sun's all about. I mean, I remember years ago, a referee got a little bit, uh, I don't know, pushed around by some fans. And the front page of one of the local news, or the newspaper in Melbourne was Soccer Bash. You know, well, that's what we're talking yeah. about. And the story that ran the follow the, in, the, in the aftermath, the story about where their support's coming from, you know, migrants and women. And yeah. women. Like... That, that again, that's a story. Fine, you know, and, and they're, they're the stats. The group, but they didn't need. They didn't need to be the relationship that that was, tradi- you know, the mythical soccer heartland. You know, it's like it's just I don't know. But anyway, I mean, let, I mean, Simon Cooper in his book Soconomics actually talks about Australia and talks about you know, one, one of the best becoming, books I've ever read on football. Uh, becoming marginalised over a hundred year period. I mean, do we see that? I mean, do, does it need to happen? Well. Is it is it actually viable that football will become the number one code? Personally, I don't think it ever will. I'll, I'll say why I don't think it will in a, in a minute. But um, yeah, no, I think it's, uh, I think Simon Cooper's prediction of 100 years is probably too soon. Um, but I think the methodology behind why he's made why that prediction be doing this is podcast then. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> will we all be in like sort of like glass containers with formaldehyde heads? We'll be in pods, still talking about it. Yeah. Bloody FFA! We'll be Star Wars yeah. holographic figures. <laughs> I think uh, being uh, from R two D two. A lot of what we know, especially about Australia, a country with a small population that will look to grow. Everything would indicate that that growing population would move towards football, because in every other country that's what's happened. Um, I'm not saying it will so over, the, so overtake. The true, the true blue Aussie diehard is slowly and slowly getting more and more diluted with the immigrant population for whom football is the number the, one sport and for their kids it will be the number one but sport. But I think also the globalisation of the way we work and live these days, the fact that you can go anywhere in the world on the internet and anything, I think that that has opened football up in this country. Yep. Kev? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the globalisation, you know, where football is all pervasive is going to win over eventually uh, but it's important that you know the quality of the game locally keeps improving in the way it has uh, because you know the NSL kick it hoof it hurt it method versus Brisbane Roarers beautiful game whatever uh, is going to convert people it's going to take people in um, but it's I mean, going to take time I mean my two pence, certainly short medium term I think that you know it, it tax 
it's, it would actually be detrimental if football grew as a, as a local case, simply because for the for the Socceroos to be successful on the on the international stage, our best players have to leave this country. They have to go and play in the Champions League and the best leagues in Europe. Otherwise, we can't compete internationally. We won't be able to compete internationally. And there is to that. The fact that the AFL is only played in Australia means that you will see the best AFL players in Australia. Fact. Same with the NRL. That can't and shouldn't happen in football because if that happens in football, we're not going to be competing at the the Socceroos international level. Discuss. That's... Are you saying ever? I'm certainly saying in our lifetime. Short, yeah, medium, because next 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, I don't, I don't see ever Australia having a, a league that compares with the English Premier League or La Liga or Serie A. But surely that should be the target. <sighs> That's I, I, a pretty lofty goal. I think the target's got to be, we've got to, we've got to be as good as the J-League in 20, 30 years. That's got to be the target. The I think it's got to be realistic. Yeah. We'll never be anywhere near as good as the EPL, I don't think. We, we've we got to, we've got to have the population but I think we've to, got to, to secure the TV to, rights that would secure the revenues for those players to come here. I think long, long, long term, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to, myself. Says, mm. says a Scotsman. Lofty, <laughs> lofty, <laughs> lofty, lofty ambitions. I mean, personally, I, I think that, and I, and I do think that, you know, this again from a fan's perspective, the, we, yeah, we do need to keep in perspective what the A League is there to do. At the moment, and, and yes, I think the A League is a development league. Yeah, the A League is a development league, and what we need to do is focus on keeping our young players here a couple more seasons, mm. so they go overseas at 21 rather than 19. And then bringing back our, our established Socceroos at 30, when they've made the money, if they've spent 10 years overseas, that they've got more than enough money. Bring them back when they've still got a lot to give back to the domestic game to then encourage the, the, the next generation so to, to they can see their heroes. You know, Finally, yet yeah, my hero's gone overseas for 10 years. He's now back. I can see him for two or three years when he's still at his peak. You know, and that, to me, is success for the A-League. If, But... For Australia and the Socceroos to be successful at World Cups and start getting beyond the group stages consistently, the nucleus of our of our World Cup squad has to play outside Australia. They has to play at the top level. Yeah, yeah. I'll settle yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. And the top level currently is outside Australia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. But long term, I still think we should be aiming to make the top level on a par with Australian football. Right. If you look at the development over the first six years, I mean, it, it's been incredibly rapid, isn't it? I know the crowds haven't been as good, but playing standard, um, I think most people would say that it's got better every year. Yeah. And, and, the, and this year has been, you know, the standout. Um, if we can keep moving in that direction playing-wise, then, yeah, there's no reason why we, we can't get, you know, a higher standard quicker than we first anticipated. And I think also the evidence was the last World Cup with New Zealand. I think you can see... You know, the development of our game. How many A-League players in that squad? Unbeaten, the only nation unbeaten at yep. the World Cup. So we're heading in the right direction, but I, I totally agree. I, we've got to have our best team playing in the biggest leagues in the world, yeah. be it J-League or Europe. Yeah, top level. Yeah, yeah. Bring the top level home. <laughs> All right. Well, one, one thing you can guarantee is that us here at 442 are doing nothing other than support this game. And we might have our critical moments, we might be critical of where we're going, but the one thing that we are all committed to is the success of football in this country. So uh, long may that continue. Uh, That's it for part three. We'll be back in section four to preview the two finals games this weekend, so stay with us. The new issue of 442 is on sale, and it's our annual Top 100 Players in the World Special Edition. Who will be number one? We head to Japan to meet Socceroo rising star Matt Spiranovic and go one-on-one with Liverpool legend Ian Rush. There's also the never-before-told story of Man United's riotous 1999 tour down under without Sir Alex Ferguson to watch over them. We'll also visit seven European local derbies in one huge Sunday. If that wasn't enough, there's a UEFA Champions League sticker album and stickers free with every issue. On sale now at newsagents or on the iPad via the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Uh, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, just two games to preview this weekend as we uh, get towards the business end of the A-League season. Saturday sees the second leg of the major semi-final. Brisbane Raw with a two-goal lead against the Mariners. 
at Suncorp all over, Trev? Yeah. Let me just go <laughs> something out. I, I, I would, Two I, years ago, Mariners lost the first leg of their major semi final 2 0. Yeah, and they three nil. Yeah, but they're coached by Arnie now. That's the difference. <laughs> Come on, Ado. Hello, Arnie, if you're listening. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I mean, can they do it again? I mean, they can. They were at home two, two years ago, but uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, Brisbane have lost one game all season. Haven't lost in 24, Six. 26, 26, 26 no, games. Um, not only have they got to lose, they've got to lose by you know a couple of goals. Three. Um, three goals. I mean, Two would send it into extra time. Well, yeah, you might get through on penalties. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, at, it seems unlikely. Brisbane know what they've got to do. They can tr- control the game from the start. They'll go for a goal as well, Brisbane, won't they? And, you know, as soon as they get their yeah. first, that'll just completely kill it off. Mm, so. Massive crowd as well. Oh, Kev, Huge, um, yeah. Hey, OK, you're Arnie for a minute. In fact, no, don't. Because you'll walk out and not speak to us. But, OK, you're the coach of the Central Coast Mariners. You're 2-0 down. You've seen the way Brisbane have played all season. How do you approach it? What, what, how, how can they approach this? You can't really. I mean, let's face it. Brisbane Roar are going to walk home with this. Try and rough them up. You try and get in their face. Stick Matt Simon, say run around and kick everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, that's the Mariners of old, though, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's I think the Matt way Simon that might do that anyway. Laurie or uh, Fergie would play it. I don't think Arnie would do that. I mean, certainly he'll go out to try and you know, be strong and bruise them. At least a little bit, but I, I genuinely don't see him trying to uh, hack his way back into contention. And that, even that's not going to work anyway. You know, uh, Roar are playing smart enough where they they can defeat that kind of tactic pretty simply. Yeah. You have to try and actually just score your goals. You have to take your chances. They had the chances last week, uh, but you know, I mean, I, work I, I got see in the, the way. I mean, the only way that I see potentially of them getting back in, I think, would be to. And I, and I think they, they're one of the few sides that have probably got the full-backs to do this, is for Josh Rose and Pedge Bowick to effectively play as wing-backs and try and well, push Raw back as much as possible. And effectively, Miron may have had it right, go two at the back with Svans Fire and, and just try and keep Raw in their own half as much. And almost, when, when Theoklisos gets the ball, stop them playing out from the back. You know, push Rose and... Bowich up because they, they, they are fit enough to do it and effectively go man for man against their back four so they can't play it out from there. Bowich was to me is the only way is to, is to almost sort of out raw raw and, yeah. and really pressure them in their own third to try and win the ball as high up the pitch as possible. Bowich was pretty much doing that yeah. last weekend mm-hmm. uh, and doing it really really well. I thought he had a brilliant game. Because uh, if the offer cost starts to go long they don't really have the big no. boys at the front. Svensreich and Wilco will just eat that up. So they'd want to try and play long, but whether or not they're good enough. But having said, you know, having said all that, and I thought Mariners did play extremely well and played really nice football. McGlinchey was on fire, Boich was on fire, and the two of them were working well together. They were still at the most effective when Rose chipped it over in the midfield and just bypassed Rose's midfield completely, uh, and that gave them the break. Uh, but unfortunately, McBreen was having a terrible day. Uh, Simon uh, was uh, no better. And I must say, I'd, I'd be tempted to potentially put Perez further forward in that structure and have uh, bring back Griffiths and Bazanic um, in the middle and actually try and disrupt that. You know, so sacrifice your playmaker in that midfield, push him slightly further forward, and say, let's concentrate on trying to win the ball as far forward because then you're going to get it in the final third rather than having Perez around the sort of halfway line or in his own half I'd just say get out of here we'll put two ball winners in here and try and win this and, and, and disrupt their, yeah. their intricate stuff in midfield mm. I mean there was there was big calls amongst the fans on Saturday for uh, Amini and Perez to be on the field together a lot lot earlier than uh, Arnie finally relented and brought him on for uh, I think that would have had potential but I still think you have to bypass Roar's midfield yeah. uh, Roar were a Pressing really high up the pitch. I mean, they, their, their attackers were working defence from the top, uh, and it was amazing to see. And it's such an exhausting thing to do, but yeah. they, they maintained it, mm-hmm. uh, and that's keeping you pinned back. And then you've got a, a big midfield presence there as well, also doing that pressing. Like I say, it's terrible thing to say, but just lobbing it over them uh, with uh, Perez and Amini, fast young. Uh, 
could have results. It's ugly football, but I think it, it's the only thing you can probably do. Don't yeah. know, I, I'd actually start quite gung ho. Ask the Mariners. I'd, first 20, 30 minutes, I would. Absolutely. Well, they've got, they've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the worst case scenario is that they've got a home final and a, and a second chance at, against yeah. the grand final. And it's really important that, that you know they don't lose players for that game because I think they're going to be they're going to know that they're going to be playing the next week. So it's really important for them not to lose players to cards or whatever. But also as well, I think if if you're looking at this as the coach and you think right, in all likelihood we, we're going to struggle to get through this, but. You've got to back yourself to then getting through to the grand final yeah. as the second best team. Then you're going to have to go there again in two weeks and play the same team on the same pitch. So potentially, do you try something in this game with a view to the yeah. game in three weeks to say, "Oh, I mean, let's just try this. Let's just see if for the first 20 minutes if this works." It might not win us this game because we've got to win three nil, but it might win us the game one nil in the grand final in two weeks' time. Mm. Yep. Mm. Do you think that far ahead as a coach, or do you just think let's try and win this game? I think you're still thinking, you know, as unlikely as it is, you'll still be thinking, you know, there's a chance to host the grand final here. Um, and let's try and do everything we can to win it. Like I said, I think they just need to start well. You know, I think because also the pressure's on the home team. If they, if they concede early, Doubt and then comes they know in their that the can defend well, yep. and the old, the old Suncorp hoodoo might come back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you never know. I agree, I think early doors... Yeah, so let's talk about Suncorp. What, what sort of crowd are they expecting up there, Ado, this weekend? You've got to be looking at 25, maybe yeah. 30, you'd hope. I think realistically, you're probably still looking at 20. Just what do you think that, that, that they'll say, mm, well, we're pretty much there, let's wait for the grand final? Potentially. The yeah. floating yeah. voters. I don't know, they had 32,000 for their final, I think, last Against season or the year Sydney. before. Yeah. Sydney game up there. Oh, I'm pretty bullish for a 30,000 crowd. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm thinking early 2022, that's what I predict. Okay. Yeah, I'd go with that. Okay, and so, you know, certainly if we're talking about a showpiece game, and this is no disrespect, disrespect to the Mariners, but you know, Suncorp as a grand final mm. destination in two weeks would... And also with what Brisbane's been through <laughs> this year, mm. you know, it would be a fitting end to the season, I think. And certainly a chance for the A-League and Brisbane to connect with a, with a new audience for next season, people that will go because it's a grand final, mm. that generic sort of sporting crowd. That maybe well, you know, I think the thing with Brisbane is just recovering the ground that it lost uh, a couple of years ago, uh, which is great, you know, that it's getting the opportunity to do that. Uh, but, yeah, it's a shame that... You see how many fans have come out of the woodwork with old shirts on that they bought well, in season one and just dust that off, get rid of the moths, here we go. But look, they pulled over 40,000 for their only other grand final. So, yeah. you know, the, the, I think it's there. And that was with the Brisbane Strikers in the NSL. So you'd think they could pull the 52 for, for an A-League grand final. Yeah, OK. Yeah. Uh, the other game, Sunday, is sudden death. Adelaide versus Gold Coast, mm. 3v4. Now, we sort of talked about both, the way that both of these teams got there. Ado, how do you see this one going? I think it's going to go, I was saying before, I think it's just going to go to type with this finals. Five and six have already gone, three and four playing. I think the home team, big crowd, you know, if the weather's good. Um, I just can't see Gold Coast having quite enough quality when they really need it. I just sense the Reds are probably the side for this one. I think home side means a lot in the finals. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think Adelaide, as we were saying before, you know, Adelaide have got a great attack, uh, and in this particular case, I don't think Gold Coast defence is is up to the job. Uh, you know, Adelaide Gold Coast's uh, attack is pretty strong too, but um, hey, the uh, uh, they're just not up to the the job of taking on take, getting past Adelaide this time. But you not think um, that you know with Smelts Porter. Um, that Gold Coast have got the firepower to worry Adelaide's defence, which has looked shaky post-five. I struggle saying that. They've got the firepower, but they, I don't think they're lacking the creativity where it's needed to, to set the, the, the firepower up, I feel. I think the, Caravella, is the, the missing link. Yeah, here. Caravella's is, is Porter missing. the answer to that? Do we see Porter no. always playing in the hole behind? No, I don't think he's, he's mobile and quick enough for that role myself. Zenon Caravella is where you know, I would see... The automatic being replacement for Kalina, but he's not Kalina. That's the problem. He's not as forceful as Kalina. No, he's he? not. Uh, he has potential. Maybe you know one day. Well, he'll be know. at Adelaide next season. Isn't no, he? that's right. Yeah, yes, it's true. I'm sure that one's so so Ch- Ch- who, who do you see as the key men? If Adelaide are going to win, who has to have a who has to have a standout match? I think Lecky could have a, a big cameo, but I'm going to say Dodd again. I think he always gives. You know, regardless of what the contract or the future lies. 
I think he'll, um, he'll give 110% as, oh, as the cliche goes. And he'll be over the moon. He will be. Uh, yeah. And for the Gold Coast, who has to play out the scheme for the Gold Coast to I, win? I think Schmelz and Gito. Yeah. All about the strikers. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has the potential to be a cracking match because you'd argue that both defences are a little bit suspect and both teams have a pretty strong forward line. Nil-nil. Nil-nil. Penalties. One-nil on penalties. Uh, Okay, let's have a look at how the bookies have got it. Uh, Sportingbet.com have got Adelaide as favourites, as you'd expect, $2.05. Gold Coast, $3.50. Now, these are 90-minute odds, so this is uh, to win the game in 90 minutes. The draw is $3.35. Um, Brisbane, uh, strong favourites, as you would expect, $1.68 to win the game in, in 90 minutes. Mariners, 5 bucks to win the game in 90 minutes. And the draw is $3.60. Win the game in 90 minutes or on aggregate? No, no, that's to win. That is to win the Ooh, game. They're the game odds, not the qualification hey, odds. So the Mariners at five bucks to win the match. It, well, it could nil. be like two one. Yeah, oh, that's not bad odds actually. So that's, that's probably the right. value bet you'd say. Yeah. Mariners to win, but not by enough. Definitely. Yeah. Right, lads. Fantastic. Thanks for that. Thanks for coming in. The first time we've uh, assembled the dream team. Hopefully it won't be the last. Maybe we'll do a <laughs> grand final special. I think Adam Peacock's in next week as well. For yeah, us. we've got Adam Peacock in next week. So he's, uh, Hyundai Match Day Saturday's finished for the season, so he's probably got nothing to do. Spare time. Yeah, so he's always texting me. We'll, Can I come we'll in? We'll get him in yeah. next week. So uh, we'll look forward to that. We're, when we will be previewing the preliminary final, is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right. Fantastic. Thanks for coming in, guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll join you next week. Enjoy the finals this weekend. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.